Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back. It's me, your long and forgotten host, Brandon, joined as always by the forever present Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, I appreciate the kind words you had for me. Didn't really appreciate the not so kind words you had for me, but it's all fair. I feel like Nick, this is uh, this is how we keep each other in check. Well, c- congratulations uh, for coming back. Uh, you know that we here, uh, you know Dan and I, run a really tight ship when you're gone, and uh, I think the reviews the <laughs> reviews were glowing. Dan, uh, I think people really enjoyed our our take on the pod. Well, you know, sometimes you have to drop a keeper to send a message. And, <laughs> you know, I think, I think we did that. All right. Well, you know, just to give it some balance because, you know, people are going to treat me like a guest, understandably so. Uh, I brought in a guest to uh, help back me up. We've got Naz. You saw Kinsella from gold.com. Yes, that Naz. Welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, I'm not fresh, I would say, after the transfer window. It's, it was tiring despite, um, you know, Chelsea doing no business, but I'm here and uh, I'm alive and that's the main thing. Are you just chasing shadows for the last 30 days? Yeah, it felt like it or it felt like the audience who support Chelsea were like willing me on to find a Jaden Sancho story out of somewhere and I was like, <laughs> damn, there are no Jaden Sancho stories. You're like I checked multiple times. Still nothing, guys. What, what? Hey, Naz. What was the one rumor that you got the most tired about writing about? Was it Jaden Sancho, or was there another that you just really 
hit a wall and did not want to type about anymore. I think it was, you know, Giroud as well, like just the fact that he was kind of in limbo, left us in limbo and, and you know, fans want answers on these things and not being able to do have a firm answer until literally the last day is quite frustrating. And then you have, uh, you know, Mertens as well. There wasn't, didn't seem to be um, too much in that, even though, you know, Chelsea inquired about him, but then it was like, oh, are they actually going to do this? And it, it was just a sense of, no, they're not. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, that does get your your optimism up and, and hopes up that maybe Mertens will arrive and, and, you know, people are quite frustrated in the end when these deals don't happen, which, you know, is a shame, but it's a calculated gamble, I guess, from Chelsea to not pay over the odds for one of these guys. What was the sense you got from covering this transfer window? Did you feel like, based on what you've been hearing, Chelsea were interested in doing business or do you feel like they really just didn't feel like it was the they didn't have the right opportunities to do anything. Yeah, I think they really wanted to do business, but uh, especially Frank Lampard, um, you know, you want it's nice to have an extra guy in the squad just to kind of give you a boost, even if it's just, you know, four goals that they score from now until the end of the season. Those goals might be enough to get you in the Champions League. And, uh, you know, it's good to have a new name in the squad um, for the players as well, because they're like, oh, this big player's arrived. I better shape up. And it, it shakes up the dressing room a little bit, especially with the kind of names... Chelsea were going for, but unfortunately, um, it wasn't easy to do these kind of deals. Um, Cavani, I think, was the one that they really pushed on and, and didn't get done. And then, you know, you've got second-rate players on the market as well. So um, you look at who Man United have signed and Odi and Agallo, um, man, that's not a, that's not a good player. Might be playing against Chelsea soon, but uh, yeah. Uh, did Chelsea need a player like that? Probably not. I, You know, it's just kind of funny going into this. You know, Pedro is still here. Giroud is still here. There's just, you know, some names that we thought were good as gone because we hadn't seen them at all. And speaking of Pedro, here he was. So we'll have to see what Frey can do. But um, look, we've got a lot to cover in this episode. Um, I'm sure this transfer story will continue to wind itself in throughout the pod. But Nick, today's show, we've got another overall theme coming from you. What are we working with today? The overall theme of today's show, Brandon, is Deuces Wild. Deuces Wild. Oh, gosh. This is... Dan, it's Deuces Wild. <sighs> I don't know if you heard me previously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We we heard you. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining, Nick. And uh, actually, we're going to end the episode early, just for you. Everyone Great. else can stay on the call. I was planning to take off anyway, so um, you guys have a good show, okay? Okay, well, I get it, obviously. Topics we are going to be covering, to give a little context to that, is that, uh, yeah, Keppa was dropped for Caballero and how Willie performed versus a normally potent Leicester side. Then we've got Rudiger's big day out. Mason trying to figure out why his performances are driving some people crazy and obviously a lot much a lot more going at it but real quick dan we do have apple Podcasts, so show some love to those who showed love to us yeah i mean we got uh, a couple of wonderful ones here we got lambda chai mac daddy great name there five star podcast review for us uh jaja ganja 420 who uh <laughs> crazy enough is actually part of the uh the anti uh, legalization movement i uh, oh, really enjoyed the fact they called out that they used to hate me but now that, now they enjoy our Nick and Dan specials the most. So uh, clearly an astute and esteemed scholar. And then Blue as it gets. Another satisfied customer, Dan, obviously. Yeah, and then Blue as it gets, who uh, was originally from Nepal, lives in uh, Minnesota now, Brandon's home state, and is said behalf on 
me and all fellow Nepali Chelsea supporters, great job. So wonderful five-star views on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate them. Keep them up so we can shout you out in the next episode. Appreciate that. Obviously on Patreon, kind of a fun little setup. So I'm in Milwaukee, so I got to hang out the Milwaukee Blues. Nick is in Florida. Dan, you were in New York and got to hang out the New York Blues, which was, as you put it, a, a little pseudo-Patreon meetup because we had a bunch of uh, the Patreon gang able to actually meet up with you at the Football Factory for the match, right? Yeah, the uh, Football Factory at Legends, home of the New York Blues, who, as the song they sing indicates, are, in fact, full of booze. And uh, <laughs> it was really great to see Shane, Will, Jadik, Ty, and get to hang out with them throughout the match. We, we experienced the highs, the lows. Uh, Chad, also uh, your boy from Minneapolis, was there as well. And uh, we really enjoyed the one Lester fan who came over uh, because the established 2015 uh, Lester New York Foxes were on the other side of a banner in the football factory. Uh, and he came over and said, did, did we score at 2-1 up? And uh, was really probably disappointed when it got leveled out. That's, yeah, you, you got to know better than that, man. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Um, anyways, uh, just a quick update. Uh, we've gotten a lot of this stuff shipped out, scarves and things like that. So, um, you know, send your appreciation towards Dan. He worked really hard on that and apologize for any hiccups as we are not a professional outfit. Just trying to hook you guys up as best we can. Um, and Nick, you've got a new fun announcement for the listeners. Hopefully something else they can, um, enjoy and benefit from. That is right. We are doing a partnership in February with three retro. Uh, you will know three retro if you've been in the mega store, um, by all the retro shirts that are in there, uh, they create all those shirts. So we're going to be doing a, a fun kind of giveaway and some other activations with them during the month of February. So, uh, if you are interested in in kind of throwing it back in your wardrobe a little bit and uh, using uh, your uh, what would be maybe a little bit of Nike money for a little bit of uh, an old school look, uh, 3Retro is going to be the place to go. We have the code 3Retro10 for 10% off their website. Uh, so go ahead and, uh, and activate that bad boy. Uh, very reasonably priced. Everything looks awesome. So... I uh, just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. I know it's been a while since we've done one of these shirt partnerships, and uh, and yeah, we're excited to get that going. All right, well, here it is, match review time. It was Leicester City in the Premier League at the King Power Stadium. Scoreline, in case you missed it, Chelsea 2, boxes 2. Um, I don't know, I guess, Naz, before we kind of get into lineups and everything, on the train heading up, uh, what were the things you were looking forward to with this matchup? Obviously, top four... Um, Lester just knocked out of the cup. Chelsea on a bit of a, I don't know, kind of eh run. What were you thinking? Well, I wasn't sure what to make, how the game would go. Yeah, Leicester kind of getting knocked out of the cup is a big blow, really. And, uh, you know, they've not got to a final in a long time. So that was that was tough for them to take, and they they handled it okay. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, Chelsea are good in big games, but can you rely on them always? No. Um, so I was kind of going to a lot of these Chelsea games kind of blind, not knowing, um, you know, how it's going to go, how, you know, very emotional the way Chelsea play as well, you feel like. If they can't break a team down, it sort of affects them, and and they and they starts it starts to get to their heads. So, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where Chelsea just so predictable at the moment. Um, also, Leicester were not in great form either. So, um, yeah, going into this game, you were like a sense of 
it could be really big because if Leicester won, they would have been 11 points clear of uh, Chelsea. And that kind of would get them out of the top four race, kind of like, you know, secure their spot. But the fact Chelsea were able to get a point kind of keeps them in the mix, you know, keeps them looking over their shoulders as well, which is important if Chelsea want to finish top four. If they can suck Leicester down into the into the rat race, then that's good, I think. <laughs> well, I like this little nugget off our goals. I see Rudiger with both of them. We can run through it actually real quick. <clears throat> a bit of a quiet first half, but uh, right away, second half, um, 46 minute, Antonio Rudiger. Flying in, gets his first header. We'll listen to that here. To the far post, and there's Tony Rudiger to put Chelsea ahead. A little more than a minute into the second half. And then next up is Harvey Barnes, 54th minute. He leveled it up. We can listen to it here. Field to go for goal deflection, and in. Caballero was scrambling and couldn't get there. Harvey Barnes scores for the third league game in a row. Then 64th minute after a little bit of a scramble from Willie in the box, Ben Chilwell smashes home at the back post. We'll listen to that one. Here's Tielemans. Real chance here, 2-1. It's Ben Chilwell against Chelsea and Leicester have turned this game on its head within a 10 minute spell. And then 71st minute and Tony Rudiger clearly enjoying scoring goals, gets in there. Bullet header smashes that one home. We'll listen to that one as well. Much better one, and yeah. Rudiger again. What a header from Tony Rudiger at the double in the second half. Perfectly placed from the big German. And it ends up 2-2. And apparently we hadn't scored a goal in the Premier League from a corner of the season until today. So there's that. That's wild. <laughs> Especially from a Chelsea team, Nick, that's usually... Uh, something that can be relied upon to a certain extent yeah. in the recent history. I mean, you don't even have to go that far back. Uh, you know, Gary Cahill was excellent from set pieces. Um, you know, we've had obviously the Drogba, Terry Ivanovich kind of combo on set pieces in the, in previous years as well. But it, you know, what, from whatever reason, it's just not been coming off uh, Naz from, from corners for Chelsea and whether that's the service or it's just, not the right type of player in the box. It's just been an interesting uh, set-piece kind of routine area for Chelsea this season. Yeah, a lot of the big players are not great at attacking headers, so to get Rudiger in there is brilliant. I think that, you know, Zoom is great with defensive headers, but he doesn't really score those. Um, Tomori obviously scored in the FA Cup a header as well from a set-piece, which was great. Um, but yeah, it's down to, I guess, delivery. Um, you've got um, Mount taking them, and he's working on that he, he'll be happy that he got two assists so it's partly delivery I mean the second header that Rudiger scored was a particularly good delivery the pace on the cross made it you know possible that he could head it past Casper uh, Schmeichel um, you know he's quite far out with that header and uh, you know the pace on it just made it a bit easier and Rudiger just had to guide it in over the top and and the other one I guess you know Leicester themselves might talk about poor defending and stuff but yeah it's uh it's good to see Rudiger getting the end of them and he's a very aggressive guy he's got that uh he's got that determination that's what you need you need to make sure you get there and um yeah I think something that Chelsea needs to improve on especially with you know some of the crossing ability in the squad is is good so um yeah it, Chelsea need goals sometimes to break these teams down at home that we've seen time and again and uh set pieces need to be part of the formula I think Frank Lampard he wanted a striker in January to boost the goal record. Uh, you know, Chelsea have been quite wasteful in front of the goal. And, but you can get goals from all over the squad as well. And that could be 
part of the formula to get Chelsea in the top four. And uh, yeah, set piece is a big part of that. All right. Well, Dan, we've hinted at a couple names. So run us through the lineup for this match. Yeah. So Willie Caballero gets in between the sticks, which I know we're going to talk about. Brandon, Reese James back in it, delivering crosses like a madman. Christensen, Rudiger, as Pilicueta as our back four. We saw Jorginho and Conte drop a little deeper. Mount, Hudson, Adoy, Pedro, all behind our number nine, Tammy Abraham. Keppa, Marcus Alonso, Mishi, and Tomori, the unused substitutes on the bench. Ross Barkley, William, and Mateo Kovacic all made an appearance in this match. Uh, top line stats Chelsea was seven shots on, on three on target. Leicester had 14 shots with four on target. Chelsea edges the possession with 51%. Uh, we had 14 fouls to their 16. We both had two cautions. And we had six corners to their four. Um, for whatever reason, you guys really want to talk about this goalkeeping situation. <laughs> so right away. Well, well, hey, Brandon, can we can we frame it appropriately? So you, you've been gone you can over the last couple frame episodes. It however, <laughs> however you want. So, so I think we, you know, we've had some conversation. We had our boy Joe Tweeds on the show too. We were all talking about goalkeepers, but you know, none of us play the position. None of us are the individuals who've, who've done it before. And everyone, uh, especially those who I was talking to at the Football Factory, wanted to hear your opinion on the transition to Willie. How do we feel about it? What do we think of the performance? And just want to tee it up that way. Just, just go stream of conscious. Yes. Well, I think thinking about it like holistically, when we picked up Willie uh, with Antonio Conte, um, he played in the FA Cup and in League Cup games, and he wasn't great. He just kept getting himself in these situations where he'd run out the box, and all of a sudden we're scrambling. We remember calling him, you know, he's flapping around in the box, not really doing anything, and then. Last season under Mutsusari, he never played. Keppa played about 120 games last season. So he's kind of had a almost an entire season off, and now he's in contention uh, again. And so you have to take that into consideration as well, that he's really only played a handful of matches in two seasons, which is tough. Uh, he's 38 uh, and apparently 126 days old, thanks to Opta Joe here. Um, and... I think that overall his performance didn't cost us, so it's got to be a positive for Lampard. Um, he did okay. I mean, he. I think, thankfully, he didn't have to do too much. I think that's important. It's not like he was hyper-involved in a lot of different plays. Uh, he came out and grabbed a couple crosses. Uh, he had the big save-ish in the first half where he came out and cut down Vardy's angle nicely. Um, but... You know, I, it was a quiet day, I think, overall for him, thankfully. And and so this isn't really, I think, a great match, in my opinion, Naz, to to rate Caballero and say, oh, yeah, he's definitely in, he's definitely not. I th- I'm i looking at it more of what is, how does this play for Lampard? Because this was him managing his goalkeepers. And it, I think this is be a boost for Caballero and his confidence. I think it'll be a... Uh, a, a, a warning sign for um, Arisa Balaga that maybe he isn't 100% needed every single match. And so I, I look at it that way a lot more than maybe just the on-field kind of performance today. No, you, you, can't, always, you can't always be too soft or too nice. Um, so I think that it was, 
it was a tough decision and it was a tough one to take for Kepa uh, and it will definitely put him in the spotlight. But um, yeah, I think you're right. Caballero, he didn't have much time before the game, so it's kind of hard to judge him. Maybe, you know, he's sloppy on the on the Chilwell goal, but um, I, I think that I think that you know it's it's one of those where it, it does send a good message through the squad. It sends a message to Kepa. I mean, I'm guessing Kepa's going to come back in against Man United, against Spurs. Probably they'll they'll go right back to him, and um, you know it's probably a good time to do it as well, just before a winter break, um, and just before the, the the kind of period where Kepa really will be needed. I mean, Chelsea have got tough games coming up, and they're going to be under pressure for times in these games. I mean, Lewandowski's going to be shooting at, at the Chelsea goals, so um, in the very near future, which will be very interesting. But uh, yeah, that, I think that the timing was right. I think that. Kepa's not been good enough, it's been clear. Um, I mean, the statistics show it. Uh, I think, Brandon, you probably know more about goalkeeping than any of us in this group. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, the statistics bear it out. And actually, the expected goals, uh, which is something Lampard really cares about, um, isn't good on Kepa. You know, he's, he's, he's conceded more goals than you would expect for the chances that other teams have had against Chelsea. So uh, that's something that Lampard will be aware of and uh, frustrated about. And, uh, you know, Kepa needs to work. He kind of, in a way, needs to save his Chelsea career because uh, how how much longer can it go on that he doesn't live up to uh, what a Chelsea number one should be? And there's been great Chelsea number ones in recent years. And, um, yeah, I think that it's a bit of a shock to see him drops, but I think it was a good decision. I think it was a brave decision. And, um, you know, it would have been a shame if Chelsea lost that game on the Caballero mistake because, um, you know, that would have been the talking point. And thankfully, Rudiger steps up and headed the goal in to make it a draw. And, and Frank's decision looks good right now. I think, I mean, I don't know, Nick, if you guys are looking for like a more technical breakdown, like of of Caballero's role, I think that it's it's way too soon to to make a call. Like I said, I don't think he hurt us today. But it's this is much more of a big picture play to me as far as like how does Kepa react to being dropped? Does he feel the pressure to improve? You've got a radio station in Spain with they didn't name a source, at least in the article I read, that apparently Lampard doesn't like Kepa and is looking to move him out. I think that these are just like there's a much bigger thing at play here kind of around this versus who's our best number one goalkeeper at the club right now. Yeah, I mean, this was what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and and I was, you know, I've kind of asked a couple of our most recent guests if dropping him for a couple of matches might be just the the thing that Kepa needed to get back on his on his horse and ride a little bit. But uh, you know, I think to me, you know, if, if if it's a performance problem and they're working on stuff in training, it's totally warranted. If you know at you know, the current juncture that we're at in the season, like Naz said, if we have United Tottenham and Bayern bearing down on us and it's like an attitude thing, that's that's not really that forgivable in my mind. Um, you know, I think we all expect, you know, these guys to be professionals to show up and, and to do the best that they're capable of doing. And, and we haven't, I don't know if we have received that from Kepa all year. Uh, he's had a couple of really great performances and some below average ones. So, uh, to me, this was a really smart idea to put Willie in there. He's experienced. He's uh, maybe a little bit uh, rusty on, on some of those uh, kind of cotton no man's land moments, Brandon, <laughs> uh, like we were talking about. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think he was also he's also a number two keeper for a reason. You know, if Chelsea are going to make top four, they need Kepa 
to perform at or above the level that he's capable of performing at and and would just hope to see that happen. I, I think one positive I saw, which also was a bit of a negative, um, is obviously he's not as comfortable with the ball at his feet as uh, Kepa has shown previously. And so he wasn't always playing it out from the back. He was kicking the ball forward, which I consider a positive because there have been huh. times this season where our playing it out of the back has been razor's edge. Uh, however, he also was kicking it sometimes directly to Leicester City players. So his uh, targeting wires might have been a little cross there. But uh, that, that at least for me, was a, a nice change of pace with having him in there because if we can kind of maybe get that down a little bit, Brandon, I think we it gives us a different way to play forward versus just trying to kind of continue keeping the ball moving on the ground out from the back and, you know, making it so that we have to go an extra 15, 20 yards on the ground every time we're trying to go at goal. Yeah, and I think, you know, if I can deflect attention and any sorts of blame from the goalkeeping department <laughs> and talk about, you know, how it wouldn't be that big of a deal if we could finish like we should be, which is a part of it. But it is nice to see that we can get two goals in, you know, today. So, um, you know, moving a little further forward and looking at the defense, how about the day that Antonio Rudiger had? I mean, I would take one of those personally, Dan, if I, if I could, because that would really boost my confidence. <laughs> Obviously, anytime any player is on a brace, you have to be excited. Uh, but would you think he performed well both on the attack as well as in defense today? It's interesting because Rudiger has, I think, oh, at yeah, times, there's been a couple of really suspects, at least defending uh, uh, header attempts that he's made in, in this season, uh, missed times with jumps, and you know, on his 100th appearance for the club, ends up on a brace. Uh, he's the first defender to score a brace for Chelsea in the Premier League since John Terry against Fulham in April of 2013, um, which... Is a long time, but I mean, you're not expecting a defender to get on a brace with regularity. And, and I think it attacked, attacked it really well, made some great jumps. I think, you know, he credited uh, Mason for, you know, the, the delivery of the crosses, which Nads called out earlier. But yeah, I think that the weird thing is because we continue all these like rotations with defenders, I don't know if they're all as sharp or as plugged in or as synced up from time to time Naz as I wish they were. So I, I don't know if that's an individual failing or more of a fact that, you know, when you have, you know, four or five different ways that you've played this defense throughout the season, that the, the consistency that we've seen from, uh, you know, under sorry, under Conte uh, just doesn't really exist from the defense. And, and I think that just causes some, some issues in terms of just how we respond and how, you know, where where everybody knows they need to be, which I, I don't think is just a Rudiger issue. I think it's generally everyone in the defense uh, at this moment. No, I think Frank Lampard's trying a lot of different things in defense. Um, you know, there's there's not really, maybe just Aspilicueta, but there's not really a player like Van Dijk who's there all the time. Um, and I think, you know, it's been a bit of a run now with Rudiger and Christensen. I think you need a run to get create that partnership. And I think Frank's probably trying this one out. Um, you know, you feel a bit sorry for Fikao Tamori. A lot of fans are calling for him to come back in, but um, and and Zuma played a huge amount of games until uh, until this partnership emerged. So um, you got to feel sorry for those guys, especially Tamori, who was fantastic against Hull City. 
Um, but yeah, I think, you know, all the defenders are good. All the centre-backs are good, but who's really the one that like excels and stands above? Is it Antonio Rudiger? Um, perhaps, but um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I don't think anyone really excels themselves, makes sure that they have to be in the team um, for the next game. And uh, yeah, I think Chelsea... Uh, have, have a great squad, but do they really have a standout individual in defence? Maybe not yet, but um, I guess that's what Frank Lampard's searching for, and um, it might influence what he does in the summer, um, you know, in the transfer window. So, uh, yeah, I think that you know, it's it's like you said. I think there's a few weaknesses there, and, and maybe you know, going back to Kepper, that that might have had an effect as well. In that, um, I think Kepper's worse this season than he was under Sarri last season, and. I think that maybe the shape-shifting defense could be a part of that. I retweeted that actually last night. Um, Clayton Bierman had, had said something to the fact that continuously changing that center-back pairing, and it's not an excuse, but it's definitely something that affects the partnership. I mean, Nick, it's it's classic that uh, a, a, some of the best teams in the world have a settled defense. They know who their back line is going to consist of, and that partnership with the goalkeeper has been settled. I mean, Petr Cech spoke five languages. I mean, he knew every single way to move in and position the guys in front of him. You know, Kepa, a little bit of English, definitely a lot of, you know, Spanish from there on out. You know, his communication abilities to Reese James, Rudiger, Christensen, probably not as well. Is not as good as it is with Aspie, obvious, in Marco Alonso for obvious reasons. And I just wonder if that's part of it too. And, you know, kind of also bring this in. I'm still really surprised Andreas Christensen is getting this kind of a run. It came out of nowhere. I not, I just, I don't, I didn't see it coming. So again, the the partnership with the center backs is definitely important, but it's it's important to have a settled back line and new, know who your best four defenders are in this case because we're playing a four back set. Right, and well, and we still don't. I, I think is the is the takeaway. I mean, you th- this is why to me stats need to be married with an eye test um, to to really make sense of it all because you know sure Lester had fourteen shots and only four on target, but. Harvey Barnes missed the easiest goal of all time yesterday, um, which would have put Lester up. And, you know, Willie was kind of stranded in no man's land on, on that goal. So, that you know, besides the handful of shots that both teams did not take advantage of, you know, the defense was not rock solid yesterday by any means. I actually think Christensen outperformed Rudiger um, from, a, from a defensive perspective point of view obviously Rudiger is man in the match and and all that kind of stuff because of his goals but yeah I, th- I think I think we're all kind of saying the same thing here which is you know ahead of this crazy stretch of matches that Chelsea are about to go on and against some pretty uh well at least Bayern's a pretty impressive attack you know United and Tottenham might leave a little to be desired there but uh you know Chelsea have to figure this out because you know top four chances are, are really dependent, at least to me, on our defense not leaking goals that we shouldn't be leaking. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a little disappointed yesterday, to be honest with you. I thought that the fullbacks played pretty well. I thought the center backs had some, some, uh, some not so great moments. Um, I guess you know, I don't know. I guess Dan and Naz, I'll open it up if you guys want to jump back in on any of it with it. 
um, but to, to provide some stuff for you guys. So Rudiger had a nice little tweet after the match. Good to score two goals, but I would have preferred the away victory. We have to take the draw and keep working thanks to the way support. Hashtag hustle. Hashtag always believe because that's Rudiger in a nutshell, which is amazing. Uh, and his stats on the day were two goals, two shots. So good day out. 81 touches, 69 passes, 55 of those were accurate. So a solid little 80% accuracy. Um, won six duels. Uh, had an interception, 11 recoveries. I mean, he was active. He was definitely bright, especially when you knew Leicester were going to be running in behind as much as they could. Um, but again, anything else like from a defensive standpoint that you guys want to touch on? I guess I can throw to Nas first. Yeah, I think what's tough when you're defensively going up against Leicester City is that their their pressing system is amazing. This is why they're really high up the table. Um, and, you know, this is this is the basis of Brendan Rodgers' football. And, uh, yeah, Aspilicueta made a lot of mistakes in possession, I, I thought. So, um, yeah, he's good, at, he's good in his 1v1 duels and stuff, but he still looks a bit... Uh, awkward on that on that left side. He, he's not as good as he was back under Mourinho when he played there, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, he gave the ball away a lot, and Leicester sort of targeted that. And then Christensen had a good game, but um, he made a, a big big error late on. Um, you know, gave Johnny Evans a big chance as well. So that could have been a goal. It probably should have been a goal, um, and Chelsea would have would have lost the game. And and it, you know, the picture would be very different, and it would be a lot worse. So. Chelsea did get away with things a little bit at the end, uh, I thought. And I think Frank Lampard was very happy with the first half. And, and, you know, a lot of the good stats that come out of the game come from the first half. But in the second half, it was really Leicester who were pushing. Chelsea were making mistakes in possession. That's why we had this um, substitution. Barkley um, coming on for Tammy. I don't think it was Frank sending a message over a lack of striker being signed. I think... Frank's too uh, pragmatic to do that. I think it was clear. I think it was just the fact that they couldn't keep the ball against this pressing team. So, um, yeah, those those were some of the things that I spotted. Um, and and I, I agree with what Nick was saying that you know Rudiger, um, you know, he, he got the two goals and and that's fantastic. And there were especially the second one was an unbelievable header. But um, yeah, defensively, you know, he had his own weaknesses. Reese James as well, um, unbelievable crossing the ball. We all know that. I mean. It's something we can say time and again, and, and it never gets old. But, um, yeah, sometimes defensively, I think he's still learning the game. Um, you know, he is making the biggest step up out of any of these youngsters, um, you know, going from a relegation-threatened championship team to, um, you know, Chelsea. Um, whereas, you know, Mount was at least in a, um, you know, a promotion battle with Tamori and, and Abraham got promoted. So, uh, yeah, big step up for him. And, and sometimes you see it defensively. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good shout with uh, the Reese who continues to impress from his delivery of balls. And uh, at a certain point, we'll start having someone feast on those regularly and, uh, and convert those opportunities. I, I guess, you know, I know that, Nick, you're kind of saying you're disappointed. I guess on the whole, I mean, Leicester have been either the third, second or third best team in the table have scored the third most goals in the Premier League, have conceded 26 in total, 24 before yesterday. Uh, I mean, I, I know they did have one massive game that inflates that number pretty heavily, but I, I just in general, they've been a really good team this season. So as much as I wanted the win, I, I still think this is a, a pretty valuable point from our perspective, especially as we look at, you know, 
United and, and Wolves drew. We saw that, I mean, Sheffield looked like a really big contender for top four right now. And, you know, I think we, we've just been the beneficiary of uh, nobody really wanting top four just like last season. But, yeah, I think I think that's what we've gotten back to time and time again is that we're, you know, we're in fourth by default because no one else seems to want to, to take the reins. And when you have a game like this against a really good Leicester side who I, who I know are good and stats bear that out and so does the eye test, I I saw such an opportunity, especially in the first half, for Chelsea to win the game yesterday and to put it to bed. And we've we've all looked at February as this huge kind of inflection point month for the club and where they're going in top four. And if they would have won yesterday, uh, especially after all the signing or no signing drama and all the other stuff that's happening, uh, it would have just been a huge statement of intent. And and the win was there. Uh, it was. You know, there were a few really solid chances that will not go down as shots on target uh, in the first half that, you know, should have gone into the goal. And if you convert at a higher rate, Chelsea is easily top four and and probably the, the I would say the top four is set for the season. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's the only thing that makes me feel like we're not going to be top four at the end of the year is, is this lack of converting these beautiful chances that are happening almost every game. Yeah, I think... It, it definitely, as we can already see, this it all comes back to one player doesn't solve this. The you know it, it's all connected, right? From the goalkeeping to the defense, you know we'll get into the midfield next. Um, but then the attack, like all of these pieces have to work together. And I think we've probably more than most teams have because we've had more managers than most teams have gotten to see. You know, Ancelotti focus on the attack overwhelmingly and then you have Mourinho who and Conte who will focus on the defense meticulously because there's different levers that you can focus on to push and pull in these matches and in these teams to focus on to get the results you want and I'm still trying to figure out where Lampard falls on that spectrum and I haven't quite nailed it yet because there's been times at the beginning of the season when we were embarrassingly bad defensively and then there are times that we've been fantastic going forward we've kind of settled in the middle to well our defense isn't as bad but it's not great and our attack isn't as good but it's not where it needs to be so I think this next conversation will be pretty interesting especially since a lot of it involves Mason Mount and kind of um, a lot of things around that so we are going to take a real quick break Uh, thank you to the sponsor for supporting the show financially Uh, we will be right back Okay, so as I was talking, rambling on a little bit before, uh, another player that we should spend some time discussing, and obviously because it's kind of the the other part of the team that we haven't touched on, um, is Mason Mount. He is has started to drive some very strong opinions uh, amongst Chelsea fans. So even though the midfielder has two assists, well done. Uh, he seemingly still wasn't playing at a high enough level for some. He's hit double-digit goal contributions in the Premier League with five goals and five assists. Um, what are your thoughts about Mason's transition to the first team as well as maybe his performance today? Yeah, I think the people are right that he is struggling. I mean, that's quite clear. He's had some poor performances lately. Uh, the goals are drying up. So the assists coming yesterday were probably quite big for him and, and maybe t- take a little bit of pressure off him and keep the numbers high. 
because a lot of people look at Mason and they 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 see numbers, but you've got to remember Mason Mount is kind of really sacrificing himself for the team a lot as well. So a lot of the work that people don't notice that you don't really see on TV is the way, and and this is what is one of the best in the league at actually is the way he presses, the way he blocks passing lanes if if they have the ball. Um, say high up the pitch and they're trying to pass through the midfield. Mason Mount is constantly adjusting to block these these balls through the middle um, to to sort of you know win win possession back, and he he's very very good at that. And and I think Frank Lampard does use that a lot, uh, you know, defensively to help the team out. Um, but then you'd like thinking, oh, why is this number ten not creating as much? Why is he not um, you know as much of an influence? Why is he not as much of a goal scorer? And maybe he's focusing a little bit too much or being asked to focus a little bit too much on this defensive side of the game. Um, so I think that, that that sometimes works against Mason Mount and people's perceptions of him because they just want a number 10 who, um, you know, is is super creative, scores goals. Um, and that has dried up a little bit. I mean, he's not he didn't, he's not really scored a lot in recent times. And there's a couple of chances yesterday. I mean, there was a moment in the game that really sums up Mason Mount. Um, it was in the first half and... And Mason won the ball back off. I think it was Madison, um, close to Leicester's box, and then he sort of played it wide to Reese James. Uh, Reese James crossed it in, and uh, and Mason got on the end of it. Um, and you know he got on the end of a ball that he kind of set up, um, but then he wasted the chance. And that kind of sums up Mount in that he was all over the box, and you know it, it can probably make it a little bit hard for him to finish because he's he's busting the lungs, get in there, he's being frantic, winning the ball back, and. Uh, I think that that shows what's good and bad about Mount. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that his confidence is fine. I think that he, he can handle this criticism that he's got and Frank will stick by him. But yeah, I think he's going to be under the spotlight for a while with the fans. And it's a shame that people are getting on his back. He's a young player. Um, this is the first time at this level. And um, I think that people are treating him a bit like Jorginho last season and calling him the manager's son. Um, he, you know, the manager clearly likes him, but... Uh, yeah, a bit harsh. It was harsh last season. It's harsh this season. No, yeah, I think the only thing I would add to that because I think I think Naz made an astute point there, and I think it's probably where a little bit of my frustration has come in recently with Mason uh, is that he does the hard parts really well. He presses. He clearly expends a ton of energy in matches. He is, uh, I guess, unselfishly playing you know, a lot of different roles for a team that, that needs it all to work um, appropriately. It's just like when the final moment comes or, or that kind of final opportunity to have a goal impact, um, it, it seems like it's just not coming off for him. And I guess, Brandon, to me, like that's, as a, as a fan, it's frustrating. I know what he's trying to do. I know how hard he's working. So, I you know, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. But it's like the the one yesterday that he skied it over the bar, even though he was offside. It was like, dude, you you did all the hard parts, <laughs> you know. It's like the easy part is just putting that thing on frame. Uh, so I, that's where I'm coming from. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's related to what I was gonna you know throw to Dan is that Mason is kind of a a hardworking midfielder, and he because of that creates opportunities for his teammates a lot as well, but. I mean, Mason's probably played in more positions this season than anyone else, Dan. And I think that that's something that should be taken into consideration when we look at Mason overall. He's played out on the left. He's played on the right. He's played, you know, in a 4-2-3-1, kind of in that number 10. He's now playing in a three-man midfield. 
against N'Golo Kante and or not against but alongside N'Golo Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho. I mean, as a midfielder, he has to change so much because when he's in a different position, you know, you have to play differently. There's different people around you. Um, I think that that also has a massive effect on his ability to perform. But obviously, I'm open to hearing what you think about it. It definitely can be challenging. And I mean, look, the fact you know, Mason is third all overall now for total minutes in the Premier League. Uh, Kepa just lost out on his uh, perfect streak for the season here. Um, Aspie is, is second overall with uh, 2060 in total minutes played. Look, you know, Mason had 11 goals and six assists last season and uh, Darby all comp- competitions so 17 total goals plus assists uh, contribution he's at 10 right now across 35 matches for us just uh, over 2400 minutes played so I mean, you know in terms of leveling up to uh, a, a different league um, you know even more physical and more kind of technically challenging than the championship last season I, I don't think he's too far off pace I mean like you know Tammy's not, you know, scoring at the same velocity that he did at Asseville last year because there's an acclimatization period to it as well. I, I do agree that the frustrating point of watching Mason sometimes is he's so good up into the point when he's trying to score. And I, I think our friend Shane um, has, has made the joke a couple times that he, he can't uh-huh. score while standing up. He needs to be falling or have a falling motion in place uh, to, to make that happen. Uh, which stylistically is going to be a really interesting thing to watch over his career. Uh, you know, ultimately we were in a great spell in, in September and kind of into October when both Mason and Tammy were, were scoring and contributing goals at, at a pretty high rate. That's kind of regressed back to a mean. And I, you know, I think one thing that could push us over the line and help secure that top four for this season is if Mason and, and, you know, Christian, when he comes back into the side, uh, if those two can find the back of the net again with any bit of contribution here, if Mason can get up to that, you know, 11 goals that he had last season to kind of match his, his total mass, I think he ends up becoming a difference maker that can help secure the the top four. And, then, and really, ultimately, I think helps bring some pressure off Tammy, too, who, you know, similarly, you know, looks absolutely frustrated when he's not getting the ball in the back of the net or is kind of also equally struggling to kind of put the chances uh, in, in the back of the net sometimes. Yeah, what what those three players you mentioned do, Christian Mason and Tammy, they're, they're getting behind and, and not many other Chelsea players do that. They don't get in behind defences. So Mason is good at that and, and he will want more goals. And I spoke to him yesterday and he said that, uh, you know, he wants to be decisive. He wants to make things happen on the pitch. And, and that's why the assists meant a lot to him yesterday. So, um, yeah, I think that that's important for him. Um, 11 goals is where he feels he should be getting, you know, the sort of numbers. Uh, and that would make a massive difference. Chelsea, I mean, um, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi doesn't really run in behind uh, and get on the end of things. So that's why Frank Lampard got so excited about that Callum Hudson-Odoi Burnley goal. He was like, that for me, that's better. Lampard was like, for me, that's better than when he, he beats a man and, and hits it from 30 yards. He preferred that tapping goal. Um, because they all count, and and he needs to learn that Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, I mean, Williams never had that ability to sort of run in behind. He also is very similar to Hudson Odoi in that he likes 
the play to be in front of him and, and shoot and, and score in that kind of way. I mean, Pedro as well, he's probably a great finisher, but he's so far out of the team that it's, he's just completely lost his match rhythm and doesn't look the same player um, that he was. And, and maybe Lampard is backing against Pedro now. And, um, you know, you saw Michi on the bench as well. Michi Batshuayi, he's a great finisher. Um, but you just feel like now that the club really don't trust him and, and maybe, you know, in the summer it might be time for him to go. Um, so, yeah, I think Tammy was poor yesterday because of, you know, I guess he's only trained for two days and, and you know, he's in a lot of pain playing through the pain. Um, and it kind of showed he didn't play well. Um, and But I think, you know, Tammy is a guy you can trust and he is so positive. And I think that, you know, he'll come, he'll come back after the international break. Um, he's head to Dubai um, on holiday and he'll come back refreshed and, um, yeah, fire a few goals. So I think that that's kind of the situation at Chelsea with the finishing problems is that, you know, across the board, there's not really uh, enough reliable goals and, and Tammy shots everyone and... and um, maybe if, like you said, it'll level out. If he doesn't score a few goals, it'll level out to what people expected. But he's been a revelation this season. And, you know, he's so important that they had to play him injured. That's crazy. It is. It's unfortunate, right? Because to get the best out of him, you want him to be healthy. You want him to be at peak kind of fitness and everything. And, and right now, I think Lampard's even came out and said, we're asking him to play through the pain, which is not when you're going to get a player at their best. But uh, yeah, Naz, we got a two-week break. All right, the players get to go off unless you're Liverpool uh, because they have to play against Shrewsbury in the cup replay. Um, but it's going to be good for them to to go take a break after this crazy, uh, intense uh, period that it's been, obviously, over the holiday time, which we all knew about. And so uh, we'll see how it works out for everyone. Um, but... Here we go. We're going to roll into uh, Frank's post-match reaction, again, available in the Fifth Stand app, uh, and see what he had to say. Well, it was a hell of a game to watch from, from on high, ahead, behind, at the end of it all. What do you reckon? Fair enough, a point? Probably. First half, we were better. Um, and I'm not sure the chances necessarily said that actual shots, but we were better. We were better off the ball. They, they struggled. We worked on, a lot on our press in the week. The lads did it well. Um, and then we had chances and it was a little bit of a feeling of late where you kind of go, come on, Reese is crossing great balls, we're there but we're not finishing blocks, etc. But the, the half-time message was just believe because we were going well. And um, and then obviously the second half was different. We weren't so good, we weren't so good, but we deserved for sure the point. I think it was a fair result. That midfield, particularly in the first half, was I imagining it, or was N'Golo a bit deeper and Mason a bit more forward? Yeah. You do something with that triangle there. It seemed to make them both look like them both at their best and Golo doing what he does and Mason a bit more like maybe September Mason yeah you didn't imagine it right. <laughs> right. we, we, that's how we, we worked in the week I think it, when you come up against quality like Leicester and Madison wants to come and get balls in pockets and so does Barnes and so does Perez it was imperative that we didn't leave midfield areas open so NG goes there does that he can do that role alongside Georgie and it meant Mason going up because Mason's disciplined and does a lot of unseen running and, and covering passes and passing lines and um, him and Tammy their role was to do that and the wingers also had to be disciplined today but first half I thought they were all really good at it Just in terms of some of your uh, selection decisions obviously people are going to make a lot about the keeper could you tell us a bit about that and in terms of what you were planning I presume it's something to do with pressing with William coming on as the, as the forward late on Yeah 
Um, well, the goalkeeper one is, you know, it's a, with goalkeepers, the decision is always a bit tougher than an outfield player because there's a lot that goes with it, particularly when someone's a number one and seen as a, a number two. Willie's been fantastic in that role. And it was just one for me of a change, maybe on some things lately where Kepa will be honest and say he may have made a few mistakes. Um, I, I have to have everybody in the squad, whatever position they are, ready, feeling that they can get in if they do the right things and train well. And Willie's certainly done that. So that was just a decision for today. Uh, the, the William one was Willie originally came on on the left and then I felt Tammy hasn't trained a lot in the last sort of 10 days so Willie being in that sort of role that I just mentioned about Mason and then Ross coming on and being similar I thought it worked for them you know and we, we just needed to be better on the ball later on in the game that's I think where we kind of allowed them their couple of late opportunities Now no replay uh, thankfully so are you all getting away your staff and players and then what, a, a week to build up for Man U something like that yeah they've got, they've got time to go away for a few days that's what the breaks that is there for and I agree with it because the players put in a lot the staff put in a lot I'm not going anywhere but I will take my mind away from it for a few days probably watch all the game plan later on and tomorrow but um, yeah a little bit of a break for us all uh, and then a long week going into Manchester United because it's the Monday so we, we do have that bit, bit of extra time they'll have some rest then they'll work hard just one quick final one. Wolves and Man, you play each other. Mm. Tottenham are playing City tomorrow. Mm. At the moment, seven points clear of that trio of teams. Mm. It's still a healthy cushion. Yeah, it is. It is. And we all know any person who follows us, who, all of us that work here, the players, know that we could have more points for different reasons. Every manager will probably, probably say that. Um, but at the same time, we have to say with, the, with the, the young players that we've had come in, the fact that we're in that position, we must look at the positive side of it now. The break comes at a nice time to say, OK, let's have a small reboot, have a break, come back and say, right, let's be determined, do everything we can on this pitch to try and get ourselves in the position we want to be come into the season. All right, so Nick, Obviously, Lampard touched on a lot of things, talking about is a draw a fair result, talking about his midfield. Obviously, they're going to talk about goalkeeping situation because that's a fun one. But, uh, I mean, he seemed to say that a draw was fair enough, um, but he didn't seem thrilled with a point. <laughs> no, I, I mean, two two teams that are about the same level, you know, a lot of you know, very similar statistics in the game, you know, a few missed chances for both teams. Naz, I, I thought the draw was a, a fair result. If, you know, if not, then maybe Chelsea got a little bit lucky to to have the draw uh, based on the second half. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it was fair. I think, you know, the big chances for Leicester did come at the end. So you might have thought Chelsea risked risk losing the game. Um, but, you know, overall and the chances created, there were large spells that Chelsea dominated, but, you know, football isn't always something you get what you deserve out of it. And uh, I think actually, I think both teams were quietly happy about the point. Um, uh, you know, you could say Chelsea had a lead and lost their lead. You could say Leicester had a lead and lost their lead and missed chances as well. Uh, but, um, you know, lo looking at the overall picture, there's still a bit of a cushion between Chelsea and Leicester and the rest who are chasing. And it's all about Champions League football. You get £60 million um, pound, uh, for qualifying for the Champions League So uh, compared to getting to the end of the Europa League. So Chelsea didn't make much money last season as much as they used to, and it kind of bared out in their accounts where they made a, a big loss. So getting back into the Champions League is big. It boosts your transfer budget, which is something we saw in January. Everybody wants to transfer. So, um, yeah, I think that th those are big reasons. And and you get £60 million, but you also deny a rival that money so you deny Manchester United that money you deny Manchester United that prestige and that's what this is all about so for Leicester and Chelsea to get a point uh, not not really hurt each other it's probably okay actually for both teams and I think that that was the kind of 
sense I got around the place after the game. Yeah, it definitely, um, you know, it's one of those roller coasters of emotions. You're up, you're down, then you come back. Again, it's top four on the road. Um, it's 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 kind of interesting overall. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I think Lampard, after this transfer window, he's still looking at himself in this squad and figuring out where he can squeeze more out of them because obviously they're still not happy with the lack of finishing, understandably so. So um, obviously, Dan, when it comes to your Dan of the Match poll, it's all about finishing. It is indeed. And so uh, we did run a poll for, uh, I mean, did we even really need to run one was the question. The answer is probably no, but we did it anyway because we we try to make sure we for formality's sake. Yeah, and uh, R U D I Rudy, that was your those were your options: the letter R, the letter U, the letter D, the letter I, and our Sesame Street style poll. And fifty six point seven percent chose the R, so uh, somehow the D in second place, which uh, maybe secretly <laughs> also for Dan twenty point two percent, the U thirteen point eight percent in there, and the I. 9.4%. The I got the shaft. Like, what's what's happening there? I voted you personally. <laughs> Naz, obviously, you definitely voted, so... Yeah, I I, uh, I would always vote for the U. <laughs> yeah, see? This is this is why Naz and I are featured guests on this episode featured together, guests. so... I like that. Yeah, you've been getting bullied lately, so I thought you needed to back it up. That's why I... Uh, <laughs> hey, Naz, I appreciate it. That just shows what a good guy you are. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, how about this Premier League table? If this isn't the most silly thing I've I've seen in a while, um, Liverpool obviously still in first. Uh, City we we're recording before City Spurs, so you have to take that into consideration. So City is second, Leicester third, Chelsea fourth. We're eight points behind Leicester City, which is still crazy to think we're now ten points behind City, and we're twenty. How many? 30, 40, 50, it doesn't even matter how many points behind Liverpool we are because it is ridiculous. They're already on 73 points. They have not lost. Naz, I am trying to ignore their season as much as possible because I don't want to see them when I know it's going to happen and I know it's a really good season, but I don't, I'm just putting my head in the sand. Yeah, you and me both, you and me both, but... <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, you might not you might not be able to if they cup if they if the their reserves get through and beat Shrewsbury. So uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting situation emerging in the uh, FA Cup. It's either an amazing cup draw or an absolutely terrible one. So uh, yeah, but it'd be good. It'd be good to see a team lay a glove on Liverpool, and I include Chelsea in that. It would be good to see a team actually beat them. Uh, I mean, they've they've won every game except one, which they drew. Um, it's a stupid points total, and uh, they they are clearly so determined to win the league. But it's it's time it's time somebody did some damage and at least sent a message ahead of next season that we're here and we want to we're going to have a go at you. So um, yeah, it's a crazy table. It really is. I mean, Arsenal are still in the bottom half of the table, and um, yeah, I mean, there's so many teams competing for the top four. Um, the points are really spread around this season, and um, yeah, I think that Chelsea have been a little bit lucky that. Uh, you're looking below them, and, and those teams have just been so, so poor this year. Um, it's probably helped the transition. It's made the gamble of having a transitional season um, sort of really work because Chelsea, if they get top four, then they'll be happy. It doesn't matter how few points Chelsea have, as long as they're finished fourth, then it's going to be a great season. Right, because the teams below them are Sheffield United in fifth. 
All right, and obviously if Spurs somehow beat City, they can jump up to fifth. But as it stands, Sheffield in fifth, United in sixth, Wolves seven, Spurs eight, Everton nine, Newcastle, Southampton, Arsenal 12th, Crystal Palace, Burnley, Brighton, Bournemouth, Villa, and relegation zone is West Ham, Watford, Norwich City. West Ham dropped into the relegation zone. Oof. Oof. Yep. It's it's an interesting, interesting table. I mean, Brighton are keeping their head above water. Southampton, they went from losing 9 nothing to winning many, many matches all of a sudden. Uh, Arsenal still abysmal in 12th. I mean, it's just a weird, weird table again this season. Sheffield. I mean, Naz, is there any chance he wins manager of the season? They get top half the table. He should. I mean, they're, they're, they're fantastic. And Frank Lampard, um, in his press conference, is quite interesting. He was talking about, uh, you know, it was a really tense press conference before the Leicester game. Um, and it was quite unusual because Frank's usually very, uh, keeps his cards close to his chest kind of thing. But um, before the Leicester game, he was very open about the, the table. He was open about not being happy at a lack of transfer business. And the first team he mentioned was Man United but the, uh, as a threat to Chelsea, but the second team he mentioned before Tottenham was Sheffield United. So it just shows you how good they are, um, you know, how well managed they are. And they're playing with the same team they used in the Championship. So um, it shows you that the Championship is a good division now. And it, it also shows you that Chris Wilder is doing a fantastic job and, and probably doesn't get the praise he deserves. Um, but yeah, they've, they've signed Sander Berg, who Chelsea quite liked. Yeah. Um, and that's a play you wouldn't expect to go to a team like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that Frank Lampard's a little bit concerned about. Uh, Man United have Bruno Fernandes. Okay, they signed Odin Agallo, who is way below the standard, but uh, getting Fernandes is, is, a, is a good signing for them. And, and Wolves did some business and, and Tottenham did a couple of bits as well. So um, maybe the pitch will change a little bit and, and there'll be a bit more pressure on Chelsea as the season goes on. But um, yeah, it's just a weird table. I mean, Chelsea are closer to Norwich City than they are Liverpool on points. Oh, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't want to depress you guys, but uh, that's the way the table is, unfortunately. Uh, it's going to be very interesting when Sheffield United, uh, at minimum Europa League next season, um, my guess, will uh, be hosting European Knights at Bramall Lane. That will just be absolutely crazy <laughs> yeah it it's it's exciting though um i i would call out naz's point again about this this season is making chelsea's transition so much more comfortable than what it could be and what it probably should be uh but we got to take it and we got to run with it because that is how it's going so again uh naz huge ups thank you so much for joining us today um, it's always a blast to get to talk to you and obviously we'll continue to retweet and put yourself out there because we love it. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on and I can share this pod with my girlfriend because she's a Leicester fan, so that'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew you had a source, yeah, but <laughs> good. Well, Dan, Nick, gentlemen, long lost heroes that I haven't been able to hang out with, thank you for letting me back in the fold, even though that iTunes review clearly stated that the Nick and Dan show is the what they wanted. It's our new spinoff. We're fine. Hey, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Sweep <laughs> season, baby. Sweep season. <laughs> all right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Again, get in contact with us if you have any questions, ideas, or comments. We'd love to dig in and continue the discussion. But as always, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.